Welcome to the Tash Show Podcast. The new Bohemian Rhapsody movie about Queen in theaters. Looking to be the champion of the box office this weekend. And we are joined by Mr. Ongoing History of New Music, Alan Cross, to talk about Freddie Mercury. Although that wasn't his real name, Alan. No, Farouk Basova. He's a guy out of Zanzibar. Uh, he grew up in uh, East Africa and then went to India where he was schooled. And uh, he immediately had this giant overbite, and that's because he had four extra teeth in the back of his mouth. Hmm, huh. Really? And everything just pushed everything forward, and when he, he became successful, he had an opportunity to have that fixed, but he refused, saying that, look, I could change my singing voice. And he had a, a real real point. I mean, Joni Mitchell was off at the same sort of thing, but again, if your voice is is your thing, and singing involves, you know, placement of the tongue inside your mouth against your teeth and all the rest of it. You're not going to mess with it. So that's one thing I found fascinating about Freddie. The other thing is that he, at one point back in the late 60s, before anybody knew who David Bowie was, uh, he actually worked as Bowie's roadie. Really? Hmm. Yes. So and you listen later, to Under Pressure. That wasn't just something where they're both famous and they say, let's get together and do this. They, they already had a relationship. They did, and at some point, uh, apparently, Freddie, who was selling used clothing in the Portobello Market in North London, sold David Bowie some boots. So they go all the way back, and the story is that they never talked about those early encounters. Freddie remembered it, Bowie didn't, and they just never talked about it. Now, and speaking of uh, under pressure, if you get a chance, go online and find the isolated vocals of Bowie and, and Freddie do, doing that song. You, you get a real appreciation of how good a singer Bowie was. Yeah, how- I, I think we got a clip of that right here, Alan. Let's oh, listen to that. Okay, listen. listen. Pressure, pushing down on me, pressing down on you, no man has fall. Under pressure, the burns of building down, splits the family in two, puts people on streets. It's the terror of knowing what this world is about Watching some good friends screaming, let me out Pray tomorrow gets me higher Tipping around, keep my brains on the floor. These are the days it never ends, but it pours. So, so Bowie's good, but Freddie is is actually, I think, better. You know, listen to to how his phrasing, his breathing, the decisions he makes on the fly as to how to sing the next line. He can change the timbre of his voice in mid-line. And the man had a, there's this one point where he goes really, really, from really low to really, really high. He had almost a four-octave range. And his voice is so unique that scientists 
really can't figure out how he was able to do it. There was something special about his vocal cords. Why? Why? Something special about his larynx that uh, allowed him to have such unbelievable control over the amount of air that was traveling through the vocal cords and around the larynx, larynx that uh, allowed him to do this. Tell us so, about when Freddie met Queen. Like, it, we're, the movie seems to be a lot about the band kind of forming, how they got together, and and their early success. W- what do you know about how Freddie got together with Brian May and the rest of the guys? Well, they, there was a band called Smile that they got into, uh, they got together with, and then that slowly built. Uh, they decided that they were going to change. Uh, Freddie wanted to change the name to Queen, which everybody went, um, y- y- you do know what, the connotations of calling the band Queen are, right? And Freddie said, yeah, I think I do, but it'll just be ambiguous. They weren't worried about the monarchy. Uh, They were not. And Freddie never really talked about his sexuality. He just said, look, I'm I'm campy, I'm I'm over the top, I'm theatrical, uh, deal with it. But he never, ever talked about his his sexuality, although he did have uh, a female companion named Mary Austin, for a long time, and he uh, had such a great regard for Mary that she is the only person in the world that knows where Freddie is buried. Freddie was cremated. The ashes were given to Mary Austin. Uh, she lives in a house in central London. In fact, uh, I visited the back gate of that house uh, earlier this year when I was there. Uh, she is the only one in the world who knows of Freddie's final resting place. Mary Austin keeps looking at her back window. Is that Alan Cross snooping around again? (laughs) We are talking Freddie Mercury and Queen with musicologist Alan Cross on the show. We all know Freddie passed away in 1991 after contracting AIDS. Now he, uh, he just missed a huge resurgence of the band. In the year 1992, the movie Wayne's World came out, featuring Bohemian Rhapsody. The band started charting again, and suddenly they're once again one of the biggest bands in the world. Now, Freddie didn't get to enjoy that second coming, Alan. Not much. He was quite ill the last couple of years of his life. But he already had lots and lots of money. Uh, I mean, John Deacon, the bass player who you know, contributed to a lot of what Queen did, uh, he has a, a personal um, a personal fortune worth uh, somewhere around $200, $225 million. Wow. So that's today. He was just John Deacon. Uh, you can imagine what Freddie would be worth if he was oh, still yeah. alive. Tons and tons. Now, this is a really important thing because we can segue it into the movie, and I'll tell you why. Freddie had a pretty hedonistic personal life. I mean, there were stories about having a party where he hired a bunch of dwarfs to walk around with plates on their head, and on those plates were piles of cocaine. You know, that's the kind of thing that, that's a true story. The 70s. And you need to be on cocaine to think uh, of that idea. <laughs> so Sasha Baron Cohen, who first produ- uh, who pro- uh, proposed the first script for the movie, wanted to portray Freddie warts and all, with all the stuff that happened backstage in his personal life. Mm-hmm. The band and the estate said, no, we are not going to do anything 
to ruin the legacy of Freddie or mess up what we might have going forward from this band. Therefore, we are only going to hint towards the bad stuff. Otherwise, it's going to be all Freddie all the time and nothing salacious. So that's when the Sasha Baron Cohen script was thrown out. Uh, new director brought in, new script brought in, Rami Malek was brought in to play Freddy, and we have essentially a reasonably sanitized version of Freddie Mercury's life. Rami Malek getting rave reviews for his performance, though. Yes, he is. Uh, a lot of people say that the movie itself isn't very good, but Rami is amazing. And what I, what I like, too, is that no one stooped to having members of the cast uh, perform an original cast recording of any Queen songs. The soundtrack is Queen. While Queen was very big in North America, they were exponentially huger in Europe and the UK. So this is a much bigger deal to the people on the other side of the Atlantic than generally here in North America. I mean, you know, for, a lot of us are Queen fans. Yeah. But we pale in comparison to what the Queen fans are like on the other side of the Atlantic. So you think the worldwide box office could be pretty large for this film? Uh, guesses are between 35 and $50 million opening weekend. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, yeah. Well, since it is the Queen uh, soundtrack with the band actually singing, I mean, even if the movie's not great, you go to a theater with a good sound system, it is going to sound incredible. And the soundtrack that's available now is pretty much a great, greatest hits collection from Queen. Alan Cross, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us this morning. Ongoing history of new music and a journalofmusicalthings.com if you want more Alan Cross. Thanks a lot. Now that the film Bohemian Rhapsody is released, the country's going crazy for Freddie Mercury and Queen. If you're a Queen fan, you've got all the music, all the videos, and maybe a t-shirt or two. But now you can really show you're a Freddie fan. Introducing the Freddie Mercury Mouthful. For only $17,000, we'll send a team of professional oral surgeons directly to your house. And in a few short hours, they'll remove all your top teeth and replace them with those of a bull moose. Giving you the perfect Freddie Mercury look with teeth that can gnaw corn on the cob through a picket fence. The Freddie Mercury Mouthful. So you can look like Freddie. I see a little silhouette of a man. Maybe not sound like him, but look like him. The Freddie Mercury Mouthful. I see a little silhouette of a man. We're celebrating the fact that the RCMP just busted a bunch of scam artists, teamed up with police in India, uh, raided a call center. And you may have gotten some of these calls or emails uh, scammers saying that they're from Revenue Canada and that you owe tax money. You need to pay them immediately or you're going to be arrested. These are the guys that they arrested. So now who's in trouble with the law? <laughs> I don't huh? teach them. How ironic. Tables have turned. Well, Jim, you brought up this call I did a couple years ago because we hate scam artists here on the Taz Show. And Devin, you haven't heard this before? I have not. I, I found it. So this is, the setup to this is, I, I got this email. It was from a guy in Africa named Lulu Radibi Esquire. <laughs> now, Lulu Radibi Esquire told me that I had a distant relative named Brian Mullen who had died and I was set to inherit his fortune. I just needed to give him a call on the phone. 
So I did. Now, I just want to warn everybody, this gets a little bit racy towards the end because um, I'm trying to make Lulu Radibi as uncomfortable as possible. (laughs) Okay, so uh, my relative, and obviously this guy doesn't exist. I've never heard of him before. My relative, Brian Mullen, has died, and I want to inherit his fortune. Let's listen. Hello, Yes, hello. I'm trying to get in touch with Lulu Radibi Esquire. Yes, and this is Lulu Radibi. I've been waiting for your call, my brother. What happened? Well, I got I got a letter from you, Lulu, outlining that Brian Mullen was killed in a train bombing in Madrid. Yes, regarding it's eight point eight million. <laughs> Brian's dead. Yes, <laughs> I, I've been waiting for your. Hello? Hi. I'm sorry. I just can't believe Brian's gone. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, how's that's Carol? Okay. Is Carol, his wife, okay? Everybody's dead. Listen, man. <laughs> uh, Maddie and Joseph, uh, too? That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> oh, my God. No. That's- no. That's okay. Oh God, That's Brian! Okay. No. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Listen. Yes. Listen, I just want to let you know. Hello. I'm sorry, but it's Brian and I. We went to summer camp together when we were young. He was just such, he's such a great guy. That's okay. Listen. Yes. Eighty-eight point eight million dollars. So what I want you to do now is, do you have a fax? I want to send you a client application form. We have less than three business working days. Okay. Three business working days for you to claim this money. Brian Brian used to fax me all the time. Brian would send me a fax. He'd write these jokes. They were good. They were so funny. Let me have your fax number, please. (laughs) Uh, and then we got internet, and he started sending me emails all the time. And I was wondering why the emails stopped. But it doesn't make sense now. <laughs> <laughs> so the $8.8 million? You, you, you are going to be the beneficiary. That is such a Brian thing Let's to do. Number. Let me have your fax number. So I just need to give you all my banking information and then you can transfer the money. The money will be transferred to you first day tomorrow morning. Let me send you the fax right now, okay? Okay, this is great. I really need the money. I am totally broke right now. I just got out of jail. Okay. What I did is I... Um, okay, good. Some guy scammed me and I actually got on a plane, flew to his country and murdered him. <laughs> what, what happened? A guy scammed me. He he pulled a scam on me and like stole from me. And then I I went to like I flew. He was from another country, so I flew to the country. I killed him and I got convicted. I was in jail for four years. But that's the old me. The new me would never do anything like that. And I could really use this this money to get back on track and start a new life. Okay, that's good. Okay, let, let me send you the facts right now, okay? Yeah, it was horrible. It was like an out-of-body experience. I, I literally ripped the man's head off with my bare hands and took a <laughs> down his throat. Okay, that's okay. 
After that, I, I found a coconut the size of a small soccer ball, and I shoved it up his ass. Lulu? Lulu Radibi Esquire. And that's how you do it. <laughs> I bet you that guy got arrested the last couple of days. Yeah, I hope so. He sounds like a millennial. You know, I got arrested, but at least I didn't get a coconut. <laughs> I can still remember I had a, a bit of a Halloween trauma when I was young, Jim. Yeah? I wasn't allowed to go out trick-or-treating one year. Uh-oh. This is when I was really young. And uh, apparently I had a habit of going into the freezer and taking chocolate chips out of the freezer that my mom used for baking. Yeah. This was a couple days before Halloween. Uh, my dad had laid down the law. He said, no more eating chocolate chips out of the freezer. <laughs> if you do, you're not going to be going trick-or-treating this year. So I, I, I think I was a bit of a chocolate chip addict at the time. It's not your fault. <laughs> They're good. <laughs> Semi-sweet. Oh, buddy. Chip it. Yes, Get I know exactly me. what you're talking about. With the little window in it so you can see the chocolate chips. Yeah. Not fair. That smiling chocolate chip <laughs> character just staring at you on the package. So uh, I, the little conniving child I was, I set my alarm so I could wake up before everybody and go downstairs, open the freezer, pour myself a little bowl of chocolate chips. I took that bowl and I hid behind a curtain in the living room and I was sitting on the floor eating chocolate chips when the curtain was torn back by my dad standing there in his tidy whities just shaking his head as I sit like chocolate on my face. It wasn't me. Like an addict. <laughs> yeah. I didn't do it. And he... he was true to his word. He didn't let me go trick-or-treating, and I was scarred. I had to stand at the front door and give out candy to all my friends in the neighborhood who came and knocked on the door. And, uh, you know, I did learn a valuable lesson. Don't steal chocolate chips from the freezer when your parents tell you not to. And to this day, Taz can't eat a chocolate chip cookie (laughs) without a single tear rolling down his cheek. Oh, no, once I became an adult, it was all bets were off. (laughs) I can buy my own chocolate chips now. But I, I understand, I empathize with these children yesterday. We were hearing about a listener whose son was trick-or-treating, went up to a house where they had the bowl sitting on the front porch that said, please take one. Instead of taking one, and this isn't right, the, this group of kids dumped the entire bowl into their bags. The lady came out of the house, saw them do it, and she said, give me your entire bag of candy or I'm going to call the police. So all these kids forked over their Halloween candy to this lady and she went back in her house. They went home empty handed. Now, we heard about this and had a discussion. People were getting very heated, divided the audience yesterday morning here on the show. And we found out where this lady lives. We were going to send Jim over to um, have some words with her. But then we spoke to the, the parents involved in this and they said they wanted to take care of it by themselves. And we've got an update here. Go ahead. I called you yesterday about my kid getting his Halloween candy confiscated, remember? Yes. Did you go back to the house? Some angry parents, I guess, went back that night. And um, 
We didn't fuel uh, that fire, did we? This there is was like it. when the when the torch and the mob goes to visit Dracula. <laughs> Frankenstein, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Frankenstein. No, they went back actually Halloween night, and then uh, the next day, yesterday, um, they went around, gave all the kids their bags of candy back. I guess the angry parents collected it all. Okay, and the woman gave it up no problem? She didn't put up a stink and try to keep all the candy? She did. I guess she had words with them. I don't really know what went on. What is this lady's problem? (laughs) I don't know. Well, my son wouldn't eat it. He threw the whole bag in the garbage because he was afraid she might have poisoned it. Oh, I thought it was just emotionally tainted, but it could have been poisoned. So when you say that the uh, parents went back, like the parents of the kids your son was hanging out with, or did she yeah. do this to multiple groups? Yeah, there was a group of seven. And uh, so some of the parents of the other kids my, my son was with went back and said, give us our kids candy, basically. <laughs> now, Jim, we, uh, we were going to send Jim over to do it, but you said you wanted, uh, you wanted to handle this one on your own. Yeah. Jim was ready. He was oh, ready man. for a confrontation. <laughs> I would have liked to see that. <laughs> Maybe next year. Next Halloween, you guys need to like pick it in front of this lady's house or put up a sign to let trick-or-treaters know just to skip it. Something, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Your son but has learned a valuable up- lesson in the end, hasn't he? Yeah, he ended up with no candy anyways because he's too afraid to eat it. So... <laughs> He should have given it to someone else, had them test the candy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thanks for the call. We're glad uh, that nobody got hurt and the issue seems to have been resolved, kind of. Yeah, thanks. I'll call Jim next year.